Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Disney Film Project podcast. This is the show where we review all of the Disney films, shorts, features, anything in between, from the fine films all the way down to the real dogs. And I mean that tonight. I am your host, Ryan Kilpatrick, owner, proprietor, blogger, occasionally at Disney Film Project, located at DisneyFilmProject.com. My co-hosts are the fine film buff folk that you know as number one, Mr. Todd Perlmutter, blogger at TouringPlans.com, and chief technical officer at DisneyDrivenLife.com, and uh, I am sure he's done like six other things while I was introducing him. Hello, Todd. Hello, Ryan. Multitasking king, you. Oh well, you know it happens. It comes with the territory. You know, you get asked a lot of questions. You got to hold it all in your head. You got to keep it going and move through it all. Get it all done. Our other co-host, the one and only Miss Brianna Alessio, the the renowned. I believe somebody wrote in and was going to noun you, so therefore we can renoun you as the blogger at Adventures of Bree at adventuresofbree.blogspot.com, film lover and person who just disowned me because I can't get her free stuff from Turner Classic Movies. Hello, Bree. You know, I'm still waiting for the call from Robert Osborne, so you better get on it. Uh, well, he's busy right now. It's th- like 31 days of Oscar and all that kind of stuff going on. and then he's- Right, but right after it's over. Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right. I'm sorry, I didn't say a proper <laughs> hello. How are you tonight? I'm well, thank you. Oh. for asking. Yeah. The most important person in this show, of course, Cheryl Perlmutter. Lovely, talented Cheryl Perlmutter. Superstar Cheryl Perlmutter. Disney fan, wonderful volunteer, Cheryl. But, but best, best wife ever. Aww. Person, the person that makes all this possible. Hello, Cheryl. Hello. How are you this evening? Doing good. This week, we're discussing the latest direct-to-Blu-ray sequel, Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2. And, of course, to intelligently discuss the first the, the sequel, you must first watch the first movie, thereby doubling your pain. All right, so Beverly Hills Chihuahua 1 and 2. In case you couldn't tell, uh, I wasn't a fan, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. So the first film uh, directed by, and I'm going to mess this name up, so I'm going to apologize to, to the man uh, who has done way more in his life than I ever ha- will, uh, Mr. Raja Gosnell, I believe. I'm going to go... enough. Okay. Uh, he was the director of Never Been Kissed, Big Mama's House. He's directed... Scooby Doo one and two, the not not the cartoon versions, the live action Freddie Prinze, Sarah Michelle Geller versions. Um, did you know he's directing the upcoming Smurfs movie? I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> sorry to hear that there's a Smurfs movie. A little of both. Yes. Uh, all right. So this film, Beverly Hills Chihuahua, the first film, stars Jamie Lee Curtis and Piper Perabo. So the film, if you if you have seen the poster for the film, you you know it's about talking dogs, uh, and Chloe is the star of the film, portrayed or, or voiced rather by Drew Barrymore. Uh, Poppy, uh, the the Chihuahua of love interest for Chloe, is voiced by George Lopez. You have um, lots of famous actors doing voices in this movie. You have uh, Andy Garcia, Edward James Olmos, lots of folks who are who are in here. Lots and lots of talent um, in this in this film. Indeed, which, which makes it even more puzzling. All right, so <laughs> the basic story. Oh, Placido so that, Domingo too. Don't forget. Placido Domingo was in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so not to get off on a tangent. All right. But I'm just kidding. 
my question, my question, the reason why I question why Jamie Lee Curtis and Piper Parabolic Microphone are in this movie <laughs> is if the movie's about the talking dogs. Right? Yeah. We all agree upon that. Yes. yes. As a shareholder at Disney, why are you paying Jamie Lee Curtis two, three, four, or five million dollars to come do this movie? I don't think so they this... paid her that much. I, I'm, mm. I'm under the, I, from my, from my impression, and this is only an impression, I can't verify this at all. This is not verified on Wikipedia, not verified anywhere. I think that when Jamie Lee Curtis's kids are, got old enough to watch her movies, and now that they're at an age where they can watch her movies, she's only doing movies that are kid-friendly. So, right, but she still has an agent, and her agent is going <laughs> to negotiate a higher... I don't know. She did. You never know how much money she got paid. That's all I'm saying. She could have got t- Disney to tickets for life. That so, could have been her pay. You know? But all I would saying, do it. All I'm saying is, having seen both films, they could have just hired the people who were in the sequel to be the humans in the first film and saved the company a ton of cash. I thought they were like Bizarro clones in the second movie. You know, they had to wait until they. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm. I'm, I'm I know it's kind of jokey, but I'm totally serious about this. The movie is about the talking dogs. So, so why are you wasting money so on people who are not in is, the film that much? This is this is actually very typical Hollywood. This is not the first time that Hollywood does this sort of thing, right? Is no, they do it, all the time. Right. Is they make these these make these throw-off movies that have tons and tons of stars in them and have a story that isn't like the best, okay? Um, Murder by Death. You're being very kind. Which is actually a great movie, by the way, Murder by Death. But let's face it, that's what Murder by Death is. It's got a crappy story. Right. It just happens to have a whole lot more humor going on, and the people who are on it work much better together than the people who were in this movie work together. So the the background of, of Beverly Hills Chihuahua 1, the story, is that Chloe, the, the prized chihuahua of, of Aunt Viv, portrayed um, apparently for free by Jamie Lee Curtis. Is, is, <laughs> I did uh, not say for free. <laughs> that's what I heard. I, 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 said, I, I have no idea how much she I, was paid. Okay. Uh, Aunt Viv has to go out of town, and she leaves Chloe with her, her niece, Rachel, who's played by, by Piper the, the Paradox. Right. <laughs> wait, wait. Co- cosmetic mogul Aunt Viv, let's just be fair. Correct. Cosmetic mogul Aunt Viv. So she leaves Chloe with Rachel, and her niece, Rachel, doesn't really want to be left with Chloe, but there's really no option the way it's presented in the film. Uh, so she decides to take off with her girlfriends. She does, you know, at least in some sort of responsible way, take Chloe with her as they run off to Tijuana or somewhere else. I, I think it was probably like Cabo San Lucas, but having a person who lived in Mexico for a few months sitting next to me while I was watching the movie, that wasn't actually Mexico. Just saying. Right. I, I had I actually had this problem in the movie, too, is... um. It's it's actually the movie is completely derogatory towards Mexico in like really bad nasty mean Hollywood ways. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if anyone feels felt that way. I guess Sally did feel that way also I though. It's um, my, my wife did feel that way, and, and really? it's it's not just towards Mexico. There there's lots of stereotypes in this yeah. movie. <laughs> but, but I mean, e- either Mexico is e- either presented as a in this movie as a as resort vibrant. All resorts and vibrant, right? Or it's dirt poor and all criminals. One or the other, right? And what drove me nuts is in the middle of the thing, which I'm really jumping the gun, but there's a random Day of the Dead festival. Just like, you know, I have this problem in other movies where we've had a random Asian festivals. Yeah. They're in Mexico. It just happens to be the Day of the Dead festival. And 
there they are, and they're catching it. And I'm trying to figure out why they somebody thought that was a good idea. Because it was colorful. Don't think it. Don't <laughs> think too hard about Beverly Hills Chihuahua, Todd. I'm telling you, just don't. You'll hurt yourself. Well, when did this film? When did this film actually come out? Was my 2008. 2008. No, I meant October. So it would yes. have been so. It, in theory, it would have been you know the month the October day of the dead does happen in October. They were kind of right. <laughs> Cheryl's trying. She's trying. <laughs> I'm uh, trying to right. defend this movie. I really like. I mean, I didn't lose this one, but <laughs> I think Tom would be glad if I did lose this one. <laughs> uh, so when they take off to Mexico, Chloe gets kidnapped by a dog fighting ring. And when she's in the in the cages at the dog fighting ring, she meets Delgado, who's voiced by Andy Garcia. Again, we're spending lots of money in this film for for reasons I can't comprehend. Um, but she she's she meets Delgado, who's a German shepherd who helps her escape, and uh, they run away from the dog fighting ring. The dog fighters realize that Chloe is worth something uh, because she's wearing a diamond collar. And they realize that she's Aunt Viv's dog after a little research. It's not really clear. I don't know if you guys thought this, but like, it's not clear immediately whether they're chasing her for the collar or because she's Aunt Viv's dog. And then eventually you see a picture. You see the, the head of the dog fighting ring looking at a picture of her with Aunt Viv. And that it wasn't until that point that I went, okay, so it's not just the collar thing. Right. I, right. I, I, I did catch that. And yeah, it's the same. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, yeah I agree. Yeah. Okay. So Jasper wants to talk, so I'm going to let him in with you. So you have these parallel paths where Sam and Rachel and Poppy are trying to track down Chloe, and then Chloe and Delgado are trying to get back to Beverly Hills, and the dog fighting ring is trying to, to chase them down. Um, and for some reason, there's a rat and, a, and an iguana that get involved in this, Manuel and Chico. Yes. Yep. And that's, that's Cheech Marin and Paul Rodriguez. Right again, spent <laughs> money for some reason on the rat and the iguana. <laughs> I'm, I'm just to be honest. I don't know why they're there. Really <laughs> for for I, comedic I, emphasis. I, I actually think they were there just for the one scene with the pinata, which which you really have That's to. My favorite. You have to feel sorry for that poor kid because he's like traumatized by pinatas for life. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it chases them around the store. That's, That's actually the best part. <laughs> yeah, there's some funny little bits in the, in here, but it's but it, what Todd's talking about is like the the rat and the iguana like basically go inside a piñata, and the piñata is just scooting around the store, Benny Hill style, and this storekeeper's chasing it. And I made a Benny Hill reference. No one but you and me are going to get that, Todd. But I know it really was. You're right, though. It, it completely was a Benny Hill camera angle and everything, though. Yeah, you, you really called that there. So. It's, it's about this time. The rat and the iguana, uh, Manuel and Chico, play a trick on Chloe and steal her collar. And I, I guess it's a, it's a device to get the collar off of her, but I, I just didn't really understand what their purpose was in the whole film. But, you know. They gave me kind of a Timon and Pumbaa vibe, you know. Not as cool, but that's what I think they were kind of shooting for here. I think yeah, I think that's what they were going for. Yeah. They missed. Unsuccessful. But- yeah. Um, and we learn at this point, um, as Chloe and Delgado get off track, that Delgado has lost his sense of smell. And it was at that point that, that I nearly died because the realization that 
the dog has psychosomatic symptoms <laughs> and is suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. I like Delgado. I don't know, but but Ryan, it's like your favorite Lady in the Tramp character right there. It yeah. is like Trusty, I agree, but at least Trusty, like, it, it's not psych... Yeah, you, never mind. <laughs> uh, okay, um, so Chloe and, and Delgado end up in, in the Aztec city of Chihuahua, where they find this huge race of Chihuahuas. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> And, and this is important because then Chloe learns how to be a, 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 a mighty chihuahua. So she finds her voice. There's a couple of interesting things that actually the, the do happen. The deleted scene, who? That, that well, goes along with even, this. Even before the deleted scene, though, right? When they're, when they're on the train, right? Um, there's, there's a revela- there is a revelation moment for Chloe, and it does happen on the train. And that's when she's talking to this, uh, this younger dog. That the dog is asking her, "Why are you wearing a booty?" Because she's only got one of her four little Beverly Hills booties left, and she, <laughs> and she um she takes it off after listening to the young kid. And there's you know that's actually that's actually a movie trope, right? Is that is that the young kid usually has the insight for the adult and makes the adult make the the proper decision by having some bit of knowledge passed along. Yeah, but uh, did. I agree, and that would have been a great and powerful scene if it were not accompanied by Enrique Iglesias' hero. <laughs> that, that is true. <laughs> that was kind of awesome. The fact that we were portraying her taking off her shoe as a heroic act. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> yeah. I was with but, them until they started with Enrique Iglesias, who, by the way, is Spanish, not Mexican. <laughs> but uh, even, even more is why why is it when people in the desert, they're, they're one, being hunted by mountain lions, and two, always run into a cave where mountain lions live in caves? <laughs> I never understand this. Yeah, they're not smart. A good question. I, I still, I still don't understand how the mountain lions were scared off by a bunch of chihuahuas. I still can't get over the fact that Todd said Beverly Hills booty. <laughs> <laughs> the term just, you know, I didn't think I would ever hear him say that. So, I can yeah. It, actually. Yeah. It, so it's going to be someone's ringtone soon. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> so yeah, Chloe Chloe learns how to become a mighty Chihuahua from is is the guy named the 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 head of the army of mighty Chihuahuas? I didn't I, I couldn't he's actually named Montezuma Montezuma, but he says call me Monte, and he also says we Chihuahuas are not toys or fashion accessories. He's, and that's Placido Domingo. That's oh, okay. Very cool. He, he has oh. probably the best lines in the whole movie, though. To be fair. To the movie, he he has all of the best lines <laughs> in the span of like ten minutes. Yeah, it's, it's a relative thing. <laughs> I have I have comparisons, but they're not appropriate. Can, can, um, I, can I just say though that his his tiny but mighty line makes me think of somebody on this podcast. <laughs> that's that's Brianna. Young, oh, young when, um, Brianna. Yes. Yeah. What 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 show was that? We were the small but mighty. Oh, Jock. I was comparing Jock and Lady yes. and the Tramp. Small but mighty. Indeed. Yes. But uh, yeah, so they, they they go to this Aztec ruined city and the 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 confrontation 
at the end is is there. Uh, it's where uh, the dog fighting ring shows up, and El Diablo, who's the dog who's working for the bad guys, uh, shows up, and he is is portrayed by Edward James Olmos, who I I really don't understand why he did this, but. I guess after Battlestar, he was just like, "What can I do that's not going to be too involved?" And, well, uh, there, there is. There might, he might have just been around for this. I'll explain later. Interesting. Okay. And uh, so El Diablo shows up, and we have the climactic battle between uh, he and Poppy and Chloe. And Delgado shows up after uh, he he gets his sense of smell back. You know. He he manages to to get therapy from from Manuel and Chico. I, I guess that's what it was. I I really didn't understand that scene either because all they kind of do is they go smell 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 it. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds like something that would happen in like a high school football locker room instead of <laughs> in Beverly Hills Chihuahua. And yet there it is. And oh. Yeah, it's right there. <laughs> yep. Once again, the visuals just smell it. Yeah, Todd. Todd was pounding his fist as he was chanting that. That was interesting. He totally did the fist pump. <laughs> he really did. Yeah. Um, so, and then of course we have our our, our obligatory Disney fake death scene. Um, with with the the fair Chloe uh, getting thrown against the the I guess it's like an altar or something that's in the middle of the of the ruins. I I, I don't understand what those were supposed to be ruins of anyway so altars are always in the middle of ruins ryan interesting i was waiting for lara croft tomb raider to show up but (laughs) it did it it did look like a lara croft tomb raider kind of uh vibe going on i think if angelina jolie had shown up as lara croft that would have made the movie even better are we sure she was in the credits we should probably check really quick because there were like four thousand people in these credits (laughs) and we have a happily ever after as as poppy and chloe poppy and Chloe realized their love for each other, and Delgado becomes a police dog again, and I, I don't know what happened to the rat in the iguana. <laughs> Something, I'm sure. Oh, I, I they're know. actually in the update scene, I believe. There's, I forget what happens to them in the update scene, because I already returned my, my copy of Beverly Hills Chihuahua. But they it, were, shows them, it shows them resting in a, in a pond or something with all this jewelry on, and they say something about bling. Oh, they went. Yeah, they they ended went up back Beverly to the Hills. Hills. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, uh, no, that's right. That I learned about sense. bling. Yes. Yeah. Because that makes a lot of sense. It does, as does the whole movie. <laughs> so that's that's the the story of such as it is of Beverly Hills Chihuahua. I, I I'm sorry, but there. My problem with the film. My problem with the film is a few things. So, Chloe. There's no character arc to her. Like, she's the same spoiled Beverly Hills, you know, prima donna in the beginning and in the end. They tried with the whole, you know, surging hero music and taking off of her shoe, but she was the same booty, Ryan. five minutes later. <laughs> A Beverly Hills booty, Ryan. There we go. And well... Yeah, I mean, there was, you know what's funny is there's one deleted scene from the movie, right? And I guess it was because, you know, this is this is the typical movie where they figure that the age range that they're shooting for can't really sit for more than 90 minutes in a movie theater. Right. So they cut out, they cut out this like 10 to 15 minute scene where Chloe has this flashback and all her character development was actually in this deleted scene. 
okay? But because they cut it out, it's all gone, okay? And, and so it's it's kind of sort of weird that they would do that. And you watch it on the movie, and it's kind of interesting. She has, like, a vision quest, and she, like, time travels back in time and into into Aztec times. Oh, yeah, it's it's very interesting. So what you're saying is, like, if they had left that in, this might be, like, a psychedelic movie or something. Well, it, it is. So, see, you're, you, you are correct. So what happens is between the hard cut of um, talking to Monty and Chloe talking to when Delgado and Chloe are leaving uh, the Aztec city of Chihuahua is um, there's this scene that's uh, she meets this vision quest person and they have this fountain and they do they do they go to the fountain and they drink the fountain water and she trips out and that's what happens in this deleted scene and she has this vision quest and it's literally, like I said, it's all the character development for her is in this 10 to 15 minute scene, and then it's cut out. And I don't understand it. And even there's more, Kyle, because Monty at one point during this deleted scene asks her, what character, well, who did you see? And I think it was Rosita, I think. Don't quote me on Rosita. Maybe she saw Rosita. Can I just, from, yeah. Can I just say, I hope yeah, never she saw Rosita see. from the cheeky group. I just um, want to say, I hope I never see this pain on Ryan's face ever again <laughs> that I'm seeing right now. <laughs> Y'all, this movie's bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, um, so it's really interesting that they had, you know, it thought out that they had all the characters built in. Well, I guess it's encouraging that they at least thought of some sort of character moments for her, but like it, it, the whole thing, it just doesn't make oh, sense. No. I, I get what Cheryl's saying. She's he's Monty, and the the girl that um, Chloe sees when she goes back in time is named Rosita, and those are two of the characters from the Tiki Bird. No, room. I'm not saying that. I, said I that. was it's... saying that they thought that they they must have <laughs> thought a bigger plot at some point in time. Oh uh, well, I'm sh- because he asked her, "Who did you see?" And she says, I saw Rosita. So that means there must have been five other ancestral chihuahuas that she could have saw, but Rosita was the one who came to her. Hun, I love you. I think you're thinking way harder about this than you. <laughs> I think she's thinking harder about this than the people who wrote it did. She's taking the term walkie sluice to the extreme. Yeah. There was there were wonky sluices in the Aztec city of Chihuahua. There were aqueducts. They, there was no water in them, but they were there. That's true. Dry wonky sluices. Yes. Well, that's because they cut them out. <laughs> They're in the deleted scene. Oh, dear. Now, just to get back to the music no, for no, a minute. No, 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 wait. Before we move to music, I want to talk one more scene. Okay. And that's oh, the intro that. scene. Where, where before you even see that stock, you just hear people talking about fashion. Like, it's like... And I was in. I, I, I mean, I would have expected humans, and then you find out it's it's Chloe and the dogs. Yes, but see, I thought I found that like the most completely predictable thing, because it's like, okay, the name of the movie is Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Yes. You know it's about a chihuahua from Beverly Hills, so like to me that one was telegraphed. So you weren't expecting the Real Housewives then? No. <laughs> no, I was not. Though. The, I, I, I did like my, you know, one of my one of my favorite lines in the movie is just when the one goes talk to the paw and she holds up her little paw. That <laughs> was so. Chloe, you're talking about Chloe's little posse. Yeah. Yes. That that little posse offends me in a 
myriad of ways because they basically just said, all right, so we have this rich, you know, presumably, you know, Caucasian chihuahua. So let's stick every stereotype we can in her little group. <laughs> and do tell what they all are, Ryan. <clears throat> well, yes, please do. They have the, they have the, you know, street ghetto, real housewives, you know, type African American dog. I don't remember what kind of dog it was. They have Hold the pug. On. They have the pug that is like talks in the effeminate voice and is most obviously going to be gay. And I can't remember what the third one was, but it was pretty. It was a stereotype too. But I, once I got past the first two, I couldn't go any farther. But you, but <laughs> they didn't have one stereotype, and this is something that I found was interesting: is they didn't have a Jewish one. And and you have to realize, like for up here for Purim, they have the one of the, one of the local kells that we use get has a day where you could take your dogs, dress them up, and go to a Purim party. At the kennel with your dog. <laughs> yeah, we do have that nearby. <laughs> and they how, even how have, would they have done? They even have called bark mitzvahs here too. They, the uh, kennel yes, has bark right. mitzvah, so when the dog turns thirteen years old, they can have. <laughs> for for a stereotype Jewish dog, though, in this film, they would have had to put a yarmulke on him or something. Oh yes, yeah, it would have been so offensive. Great. <laughs> yeah, they would have had the curly hair for the Hasidic. And <laughs> We're it. laughing about it, but honestly, if if these characters, the way that they were portrayed in the film as dogs, were yes. human, they would. This film would have been boycotted. I know. Yes, yes, I agree. That is true. I mean, and just because they're dogs doesn't mean. I mean, it's obvious what they're going for. I just, I, I would. It's not like. You know, I was offended in some great human race way, but it's you you shouldn't do that sort of thing. Yeah, well great. let's let's face it. They were just trying when you throw this many actors in a movie, you're only trying to make dollar signs. You're not trying to make a good movie. No, that's true. Well they succeeded at both of those things. Not making a good movie and making money. Yes. So there you go. Okay, so Bree wanted to talk about music, so let's talk about music. I I just wanted to make mention, um, that I think because George Lopez voiced Poppy, I think he had a large part to do with the music selection, especially because one of the songs was Lowrider by the group War, and they used, which is the theme song from the George Lopez TV show. So Good I just. On TBS. <laughs> <laughs> Turner, dude. So yeah, so I just kind of. Full disclosure, I earn my living from Turner. I think, I, to, I think legally I have to say that. So you, you know what drove me up a wall about George Lopez in this? And I, can I just be honest? He reused every joke he ever told in this movie in a very short span of time. Like that whole Mexican, Mexican thing. That's like right out of his stand-up routine. Yes, he did. And I actually – I mean we're going to get to the second movie in just a minute. But I thought he did a way better job in the second film. He's really the only actor who returns in the second film. So, Except no, for the posse. Nope. There's one person <laughs> in the posse who returns. I was trying to block that out of my memory. <laughs> um, but I thought in the second film, <sighs> he, he actually did more acting than in this one. But, the, but that's the problem in the first movie is he's supposed to be the love interest for Chloe, and yet he's not with her the entire movie. Instead, we have Andy Garcia as Delgado, who's with her the entire film. And 
I'm just going to throw it out there to the ladies on the panel. Andy Garcia or George Lopez? <laughs> Andy Garcia. I'm married. No comment. There you go. <laughs> All right. Nicely played, Cheryl. Nicely played. That was, that was nicely played. Todd, you're a lucky man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm the single one, so I'll say Andy Garcia. But um, am I right? Like, they're not together. Yeah, wait, the we, should, wait, we should tweet this and get the answers at the end of the show. Someone All tweet right. this. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we're taking a break for tweeting. <laughs> Audience participation. <laughs> hey, they can't complain. They don't. They are participating. <laughs> hey, and if Ev from Twitter wants to throw us some bucks for this, we'll take it. <laughs> Here's another name that I. Now it's my turn to butcher a name. Um, Hytor Pereria. I have no idea if I came even close with that name. I apologize. That's um, right. He did. He did the Chloe song, which I believe is the music that plays when um, Delgado kind of sort of abandons her when he thinks that she's abandoned him inside the restaurant, and she kind of wanders off on her own, you know. And that 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 really mellow, sad music that starts to play. That's what I think it is. I'm not mentioning it for the music because. I wouldn't mention this movie for the music <laughs> to begin with. Um, Although but, I will say that that stupid Ochiwawa song has been stuck in my head all week since I've watched it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really it's really hard to get it out of your out of your head. But yes. uh, so uh, this guy went to had a fifty seven piece orchestra do this Chloe song thing. And what what I find more interesting than the fact that it was a fifty seven piece orchestra for one song in this crazy little m movie is that um, this was done at the Eastwood Theater, which is the theater that they dedicated to Clint Eastwood in 1999. Warner Brothers did this. And it's, it's, their, it's, their, it's their original scoring stage, and they kind of revamped it and you know, named it after him. And so, uh, so see, there's actually a Clint Eastwood tie to this movie, which probably explains why a lot of it occurs in the desert. Mm, good point. Okay. Yes. It's a good western in hiding. A lot of things have... Um, have happened here, but since Edward James almost is in the movie, I figured I'd mention that the series finale of Battlestar Galactica called Daybreak had its music scored inside this same theater. So I was just, you know, saying that maybe that's why, you know, Edward James almost just felt like coming on in and helping out with this movie, though I severely doubt it. You are grasping at straws, my friends. Yes, I am, but I like it. You know, when I can connect to science fiction y things or Clint Eastwood, I'm, I'm good with a thing, so. Got it. All right, but, so. Well, can I say one more thing? Since since I hit the science fiction topic, please, can we have the conversation? Is this no. a good point? No, uh, no. This is this would be a travesty <laughs> to compare this film to Star Wars. Would be wrong. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. Well, okay. No, honestly, who who don't would, go there? I got to do it. <laughs> you got to let me do it. I'm just saying that. Strangely enough, I find that Chloe herself would be Luke Skywalker. Uh oh, we, we lost Ryan. Ryan froze. I think he's up. <laughs> okay, or, or kick the bucket after that comment. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> I guess no. I could see that. I guess. I mean, she's, well, she's the one on the quote-unquote heroic journey here. That's right, and she. But she gets the power of the barking, and she goes through that whole thing with Monty, and Monty is. You don't want to do this, do you? <laughs> Monty is insane, is what Monty is. He's, he's Obi-Wan Kenobi to her Luke Skywalker. He's training her. 
No, I would no. Delgado is Obi Wan Kenobi. You really think so? Yes. If you're going to go right. down this road, he's the older person who is showing her the ways of the world. Oh, so is can Monty I- Yoda? Yes. Wait, can I ask something? Is Manuel and Chico um, R two D two and C three PL? Either a Bimini and Scooter. I'm 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 going with the rat and the iguana. <laughs> rat and the iguana are superfluous. That's what they are. <laughs> you could clip them out, and the movie would be the same. All right, you could. You could absolutely do that. I agree. Yeah. I just figured. I, you know, uh, no, because Cheryl and I were having this conversation in the car earlier, and I I just kind of sort of feel I can't mar- match anyone up with like Princess Leia or Han Solo, but I just kind of feel that because of the whole getting your bark thing and that whole. Thing that goes on in the Aztec village of Chihuahua. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I just I can't get that out of my head. And um, oh, Chihuahua. <laughs> Chihuahua. <laughs> so okay, Brian, we can go to number two now. I'm must sure it's going to be a lot shorter. <laughs> must we? <laughs> we uh, must. Must move on through the movie. We can. But sadly, it. we're out of time. And cut. Yeah, uh, okay, so they made a sequel to this movie because it made a lot of money because people like talking dogs. In fact, we looked up on on Box Office Mojo that Beverly Hills Chihuahua is the number four dog movie of all time. It's worse than that. Beverly Hills Chihuahua was um, number one for not one week, but two weeks in a row when it was released. I lose faith in humanity often, but this is this is one of those times. It's painful. It really is. So they made a sequel to this movie um, yes. called Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2. It was a direct-to-Blu-ray sequel. I will say this. I think the sequel was slightly better. I, I can't agree. I, I, I don't even know. I, I don't even know what to make of this second movie. It was a travesty on a Blu-ray. <laughs> I, I will agree with that, but I thought the first one was a travesty, too. So the way this movie starts, Beverly Hills Chihuahua Dose, is uh, Poppy and Chloe get married, and we have a large, fancy wedding at Aunt Viv's house, who is no longer portrayed by Jamie Lee Curtis. She There's a nice uh, reception, and, and the dogs are all carrying on, including the stereotypical dogs, and we have a wonderful scene between Poppy and, and Chloe and all the romance that, that is there. Oh my god, the Ryan dude! Oh, look, it's Jasper! How's Hello, it Jasper! Did you know I can do this trick? You you can dance? They teach me this in class! They taught you to dance in dog school? I can do the dance! That concerns me, Jasper. Don't don't ever get into one of these movies, Jasper. Please, do, if they ask you to go into a Beverly Hills Twilight movie, don't do it, because we respect you too much, sir. Thanks, steal the song from me. It goes. It really goes. Boom, 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 boom. Shabishan. Boom, 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 boom. Shabishan. Boom. <laughs> that is awesome, Jasper. Thank you, Jasper. Jasper Perlmutter, everybody. Yay! Showing up to uh, to chime in from the dog perspective on on this film. Did Jasper like the movie? I so totally liked the first one. You Second one. Movie? I watch. I'm not sure what go on. It's very strange. No one is sure what happened in the second movie, Jasper. Not even the actors, I don't think. Yeah, we're going to have to agree with you on that one, Jasper. Yes. The Jasper Review. 
ladies and gentlemen, of Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2. Uh, so Poppy and Chloe have a, a wedding and get married and have children in like five minutes, which was interesting. It says, what? what is it, four months? So um, I looked – it, it does say four months, but guess what? That, that works. Um, the gestation period of the average dog is nine weeks. Okay. I can believe so, that. So it actually works. Wasn't sure at the time of watching the movie, but now I know. Uh, okay. And is half the battle. G.I. Joe. Joe. A real American hero. Unlike, <laughs> unlike the Mexican heroes in this movie, which this movie <laughs> degraded in many sh- ways, shape, and forms. Uh, so there's this weird part that goes on. Poppy is worried that he is not a good father to these children. And there's a reason for that is because he's not. <laughs> Um, he's drowning them in mud instead. Yeah, he's he's sending them down slides into mud. He takes to put them to bed, and they start tearing up the house. And I mean, like it's he's not good at it. Um, but he's not intentionally bad at it. It's just the way it all plays out, right? He's not trying to be a bad father. He's just not very good at it. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so there's this whole this whole setup that happens a few times in the movie where Poppy tells a story about the mighty Chihuahuas of old and what they used to do, and then the kids, of course, get these ideas in their head and start doing acting these fantasies out of of what the old Chihuahuas, the the old mighty Chihuahua warriors used to do, and yeah. it ends up paying off in the end. But in the minute in in the first, I think there's three times he does it in the movie. The first two, you're just like, why are we doing this? Right. So did did you notice that this follows a formula that disney has for these types of second releases this entire movie i did notice that yeah so this this started with cinderella 2 right is um they they released the sequel they put it direct to dvd now it's blu-ray okay and it's literally it's the same plot line right you have you have a troped story in the background which we'll discuss the trope in this movie the tropes of the movies in a little bit. But behind that, you have this point where literally three times, one of the characters that you know very well from the first movie tells stories to younger people in the second movie that were not in the first movie. And it's, that's what happens in the Cinderella 2 movie. I think – I'm pretty sure that it happens a few other – You know, I'm, none of the other ones. It's just I always – Cinderella 2 is like one of these like, why did they do this type of things, right? All I can yeah. think of is Kidco. Why I see why why I do that? Why I see this? Because they also had a problem with the bank. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So, but this is another problem with this movie. So the main plot that the trope story that Todd's talking about is the is Sam the the landscaper from the first movie. Who, by the way, I think Sam in the second one was way better than Sam in the first one. Just my I disagree. Do you disagree. disagree from an acting standpoint or from an attractiveness yes. standpoint? No, no, no. It, extremely, it, only from an acting standpoint. I don't think the Sam in this movie could act at all. And what in the wide world of sports happened to his accent? <laughs> good. That's, that's a good know. point. You know? I thought, he, I thought he did okay with the material he was given. I would not blame his lack of acting on, uh, on, on him, per se. And wait, I have bad news for Ryan. I have actually thought of a of a sequel for this movie. Oh, oh no! <laughs> um, oh, because Sam's last nope, name, not. Sam's last name is Cortez, and do we all know what other famous family is named Cortez? Do tell. 
the, you brought the, it up. The, 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 the um, family from Spy Kids. Oh, so you would have a Spy Kids <laughs> Chihuahua crossover? <laughs> Harold? No. <laughs> I mean, so these both movies are just tropes for a very typical. A, a trope is um, a theme that is basically pulled from a box of existing themes. This is like um, there's an old saying about move about Hollywood movies or books sometimes as well, where every idea has already been covered. Okay, that's where the concept of tropes comes in. So it, whereas in Beverly Hills Chihuahua One. It is the little girl lost trope, okay? In Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2, this is the save the farm trope, also known as the Lassie trope, okay? Where, is that where, why they used it, because it's a dog movie? I, who knows? But it's, it's literally the worst, most overused of all the tropes is yeah, the that, save the farm one. I, that, I, mean, I agree with you. Every television show sitcom uses this at one point or another, and it's, it's, it's terrible. Basically, the idea is that something is happening to the farm, or in this case, the house, okay? And they're about to lose it in foreclosure to the bank in the town, and they have to do some miracle thing to get the, enough money to pay back the, and, and get back the farm or the house. That's, what, that's the save the farm trope. And that's what's going on here, because Sam's parents are about to lose their house. They need forty thousand dollars by like the end of the week to get to keep the house, and it's it's horrible and so so awful. And for some reason, Delgado shows up in the midst of this, and he's <laughs> well. So we, he well, says, we find out why later. We find out why he shows up later. But we do. Yes. Yeah, we do. Yep. I missed that. Okay. <laughs> Um, it turns out Delgado's sons are, are agents in the um, L.A. task force. That's right. There is actually character. That's probably why you like this one better, Ryan, is because this one actually has some character background development. All right. So, so let, me, let, let me lay it out this way. A wise woman just once told me that, that, that every good character needs three things. And the, in order to make a film positive, you know, to make a film great, you have to have good characters and a good plot. This obviously does not have a good plot. Um, but the character, every character's got to have goals, motivation, and conflict. The goals and motivation have to be clear from the very get-go before you introduce the conflict. Mm-hmm. There is no goal, there is no motivation, there, and there is very little conflict for any of the characters in, these, in either of these films. Like the conflict has to relate to the goals and the motivation. In other words, for example, I will use Jack Sparrow as an example. Jack Sparrow's goal is freedom. Captain. Thank you. I was waiting for somebody to pick up on that brief thing. <laughs> there should be a captain in there somewhere. That's right. So his goal is freedom. Wait, his where's Tanil? We're going to get through this. <laughs> do it all night. His goal is freedom. His motivation, or I, I'm sorry, his goal is getting back to Black Pearl. His motivation is freedom, and his conflict is the curse. Okay. You know his goal and his motivation within five minutes of him showing up on the screen. Mm-hmm. Right? I agree. Chloe doesn't have a goal. She, she likes her life the way it is. So she, her goal isn't set until well after the conflict is introduced. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is that's why tropes – it's really bad to base a movie on a trope. Right. Completely, and not have anything surrounding the trope. And neither of these movies have anything surrounding them, and that's why they fail a 
in a big bad way. But yeah. but so you were saying Delgado shows up because he's coming to see his sons, but that's not what he says. He says he's working a case for the Mexican police department. And that disappears. We never hear about that again. No, no, no I just figured that, that was, was a cover. That was that was not true. Yeah, I figured it was a lie. Yeah, because they call, they call, because Sam calls the detective from the first story, and right. and then and then he goes, oh, okay, and I'll keep him here until you can get here. See, and see, I took that as he was working a dog case as opposed to a human case or something like. that. Oh no, <laughs> he totally fibbed. I, I was actually waiting for that, though, Ryan. I was hoping there was more to it, and then when I realized that it was just him lying because he didn't want to tell Chloe up front what was actually going on. It's disappointing, isn't it? Yes, it was, because I really would have liked a dog case. I mean, how cool would it have been a dog sleuth Delgado? See, now that's a movie I would watch. <laughs> that's right. Delgado, police dog, the movie. Wait, Delgado has to find the misty puppies on the dream. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Or, or Delgado's got to go star in the Spy Kids sequel. But we also meet, when we go to Sam's parents' house, we have Poppy's brother, Pedro. Again, a character who's introduced in the movie because they felt that there weren't enough characters between the five puppies, Poppy, Chloe, Delgado, Delgado's sons. You know, we needed some more characters in this movie. There, there are a lot of characters in this movie. I, um, but yeah. I get. Um, I would like to talk about the, um, Ryan's thing about the stereotype. Um, is that we the kids actually find out that they all they think that he's mean because he's a pit bull, right? And and because of his smile, <laughs> so to say. <laughs> that was they, so cute. they also think they also think that you know who is it, wait who is this dog and oh we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so there's Ryan's stereotype there, but it's that, but now we're back in the stereotypes in the dog world instead of stereotypes in the human world. Yeah. Yes. Now I, I there's a little bit of geek cred here because this is Pedro's actually um, done by Ernie Hudson, who was Winston from Ghostbusters. Yay! So uh, very very good geeky yep. thing there. And we mentioned speaking of geeky things, I'm going to disappoint Bree here. Bree, uh-huh. you know who one of uh, one of Delgado's sons is voiced by? Ooh. Um, someone on a show that you and I both love. Really? It's John Huertas from Castle. No way. Yes. <gasps> that is incredible. Mondays at ten on ABC, everyone. And since we're talking about characters, um, Delgado's voice is also someone we we should all know. Okay, go. And ahead. that would be. Um, he is a bad guy from Milan. Um, he is the, he is a bad guy from Milan. Whoever, well, I forget his name. <laughs> yeah, character from Milan, but it's Miguel Ferrer. No, mm-hmm. I meant I forget the character from. Oh, the Lon's character. Oh, uh, okay. Yu. Yes, and then um, also since we're talking about voices, um, we'll talk. I'll talk about people, and one of these. And they they reuse a classic bad guy. I was I was I was really torn. I was really kind of torn about this. I was glad to see her back as a bad guy, but I'm I was disappointed that nothing happened to her this time as a bad guy. And, and that is Colleen Mansfield, Appleine's owner, is also the um the the wicked stepmom from Bear Trap. 
Yes. Oh, yes, she is. You're right. Yeah. She's indeed. And then um, we also have two two characters that are on the Sweet Life on deck for those youngsters out there. Um, Phil Lois, Mr. Mosby, is one of the judges. Mm-hmm. And Brian Stepanek is um, the the evil bank guy. Yep. And of course, and I will say, so what all of these folks, uh, Phil Lewis, who showed Mr. Mosby, I don't even know if he has a name, but he's the dog show judge. And he shows up because one of the ideas that they have to get the $40,000 is they take all the dogs, Poppy and Delgado and Pedro and Chloe to compete in a dog show at the Beverly Hills dog show. And, and Mr. Mosby is the, uh, head judge, I guess. I don't, I'm not really sure. Yeah. So, and Morgan Fairchild, one of the other judges. <laughs> and Fred Stewart, who, by the way, is the best part of this movie. <laughs> that was the part of this movie where I was going, wow, this is, this is actually pretty good. Because it's Fred Stewart. Guy. He's the new yes. Muppet guy. Okay. I love what he said when he keeps saying that's Fabu. I think I'm going to keep saying that. that yeah. is just- um, and then we have another, uh, another comment on Dog Society. Because they don't win the 40K. Because Poppy is not doesn't have papers. Which is another like Mexican slam too because he's doesn't Mexican. have papers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing but I'm it, it, it is. Really? It, it it is it is because I, I get where you're going with that. It's 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 not a it's not a good thing. It's it's but again it's it's a very these, like I said earlier these movies are not friendly to Mexicans and, and no but apparently they're not even friendly to rescues. They could they could have made Disney could have made a better statement here. And I'm gonna go on their limb here because I have I have rescued a dog. And I in fact I went to the pound today. And let me tell you it's a sad story out there, folks. But I'm gonna Disney could have made a better story with this and said, Let the dog win and let them win and, and forget the bank robbery stuff. I don't know if it would have been a better movie, but I must say it, it could have made a statement somewhere there. And let's say he wins nothing. He couldn't win the money, but he could win the little trophy. I don't know where I, where I would want to go with that. But, I mean, I'm going to say it's a sad society when we can't say, you, you know, you need to rescue dogs. And, I mean, the reason we are purebred is because I want, I want this specific breed. But, I mean... That wasn't rescuable, but I mean, if you can rescue out there, folks, do so. Amen, sister. Fair enough. But, that's, but to be fair to Cheryl, that's actually a theme of the movies, of the first movie at least anyway, is that concept of rescuing that's not actually carried over into the second movie. Is right, because they, they, right. do, they do do that in the first movie. Well, and they don't, they don't in the, in the first one, even though it's there, they don't make the point. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's there, but they don't make yeah, the, the point Yeah, the only point they make is at the end, they say, um, they have a thing of spay and neuter. Right, in, bo- in both Barker. movies they do it, actually. They the have Bob a little Barker. adoption message of both movies. Bob Barker message. Yeah. yeah. But, so, they go compete in the dog show and lose for some reason that, that I can't fathom, and then... All of a sudden, the puppies get this idea from the story. This is where the whole story trope plays into things. From one of Poppy's stories, they decide that they're Chihuahua warriors and they're brave, and they go to uh, fend off a bank robbery. Or and they end up catching the robbers, and that's how the house gets saved because they they get a reward for catching the bank robbers. 
And see, I thought that's where we were going to go with Delgado's case. I thought Delgado's case was going to be these bank robbers. But no, we just left that one hanging out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure a writer left or quit, and they just kind of said, oh, well, this guy wrote this, and this guy wrote this, and let's put a fashion show in between them. And then <laughs> That's about what I, I guarantee that's what happened. I was saying that there was a scene where Delgado has his sons, and they and they move, and Delgado moves to L.A., because the sergeant goes, "Hey, oh, you're you're you know, you're a police dog. How would you like to move?" And then, apparently, the puppies talk with Delgado's sons in the in the in the van and tell them that you know, hey, you know, your dad's a nice guy. He was just protecting you from from, I guess, um, back first movie, the the Diablo from first movie, I guess. From Edward James it, almost. It was it was unclear, but he was protecting them from some somebody he stopped. He busted something bad. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's Beverly Hills Chihuahua too, and it's really really bad. Yeah, um, yeah, it just yeah. is. I, 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 it's hard to criticize. It's like it's hard to speak about these two films for me because it's like I can't I can't tell you like okay this is what I mean the goals motivation and conflict thing I think is my big issue with it because there none of the characters have define goals or you don't know why they're they're they are the way they are before we get into the conflicts of the film but even like in the second film we don't find out about the house problem until 25 minutes into a 90 minute movie yeah and then we're subjected to like a really annoying scene at the bank that's just like why is this dragging on wasn't even legal to too that we we won't even discuss the legalities of that it's that, California. It's California law. They have a whole different set of laws, and everything's legal. Still, no, he couldn't. <laughs> it's all could, legal. They didn't have any right to take that house then and there. We all know it. They can still exchange cards by pink slips in California, as far as I know. I mean, let's face it. Yep. <laughs> you know, after the show, I think I've decided to get a bumper sticker. Get a bumper saying "Beverly Hills Booty." <laughs> like it. <laughs> That's my goal. If you take one thing away from tonight's show, folks, that is what you should take away. Uh, all right. So do we have other things that we need to say about the, the Beverly Hills Chihuahua films? Um, well, I, I had a couple – just a few more nothings, but I'll go through them. They're like small little things. Too. Um, the um, one they did you notice another another Lady and the Tramp thing that we remember we spent all this time in the Lady and Tramp episode talking about the Brahmin and the mongoose and how that's the ending scene and Ricky Ticky Tavi and <laughs> I was waiting for stuff. you to say Ricky Ticky Tavi. Yes, I love saying Ricky Ticky Tavi. Um, Which and, uh, I, sorry, time out. I don't want to interrupt you, but I did anyway. Uh, yeah, I was putting together the show notes for Lady and the Tramp. Yes, and I googled Ricky Ticky Tavi. Guess where you can watch the entire film. Where? On the Spike TV website. Really? That's awesome. But I, like I said in that episode, is I, I highly recommend just getting the audiobook and like just keeping it on your iPod and listening to it every once in a while because it is really just fantastic to listen to. And it's really well narrated if you get the one from Audible. Um, and they're not even a sponsor. Um, yet. 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 Audible. Um, but, You're saying. Um, you know, so, but that's actually one of the flashback scenes that little stories that um, Poppy tells to the kids is actually the Brahmin and Mongoose story, right? The baby's there, the snake comes up, and but, yep. it's, the, but it's the Chihuahua that, that gets the snake in the end. And, uh, <laughs> and it's Beverly Hills booty. Does he get, does he get the point in the end? <laughs> and uh, 
Remember, folks, if your kids get the jokes, it's your fault, not ours. The, the other thing is, um, you know, the dog's mouth talking. I mean, it's a little freaky, right, to, to watch sometimes if you just kind of focus on the dog's mouths actually moving. Because they are animated in both movies. They actually, you know, do a little moving animating thing. Wait, uh, they're animated, Todd? I thought they were really talking. Uh, oh. Is this sorry. You ruined it. later Did moment? You... <laughs> I can talk to you, Bree. <laughs> but um you know this is that whole concept of the uncanny valley right with we're approaching this with robots you might hear this term a lot more in the next few years but the idea is that when there's something that's clearly trying to turn something that's clearly not human into and giving it human characters that's anthropomorphism but this is like the step beyond that where you try and make it so perfect and so you kind of feel a little uneasy when you're watching talking dogs on the screen I mean, well, Ryan just feels uneasy about these movies. That's I just not feel uneasy meant. watching these films. It doesn't have anything specifically to do with the dogs talking or not. But it's, but it's, you know, it's, it's a just a common thing, and so I just felt it was a fair mentioning. Um, the other interesting bit of fact that I look because I actually watched some of the extras on these DVDs. Um, whereas Ryan I'm so ran, disappointed in you. <laughs> well, no, no. I, one of the one of the things actually talks about the Brie Chihuahua and its history. Which I actually found very interesting because it's like has nothing to do with the movie. It was actually more interesting than the entire second movie, for example. <laughs> okay. Um, so I learned that Chihuahuas are the only dog breed indigenous to the Western Hemisphere. All other dog breeds were actually brought here. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, um, and they most likely are descended from the Techichi, which is the which was a dog breed from the from the Toltecs time, and the Toltecs are the predecessors to the Aztecs, which. If you put all that together, that's why they have all that Aztec stuff going on in the first movie, is because of the, the of the, the tech, no in the first movie is Mexican is the is the Aztec stuff. Okay, and um that but that's why they have it all in there I guess is because of their whole connection between the the Toltecs and the Aztecs and the Tichichi. So I thought that there is a reason for something there, just don't explain it very well in the movie. But I think the explanation is right there. I think they probably did their their backstory work on this, and then they decided that. You know, no one under the age of 12 was going to care, and they threw it all out. <laughs> That's my guess. That, that, that may very well be. And my thing was that we start with a wedding, uh, we start with the wedding, and we end with a wedding. We start with a wedding and end with a wedding. Yes, because Sam and Rachel get married. I thought they get engaged. Yeah, they I wasn't get sure if that was a wedding or not. No, that no, no. That garden was... party? No, it no, no. That was just a celebration. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. They, they, had, they had a fight in the middle there somewhere, which I actually think I missed because I must have blinked. <laughs> it was over the phone. Oh, was it? That's why yeah. I didn't get it. Because they were arguing and she was still in the rainforest and that's why that call just ended like that. Okay, yes. I didn't really follow all that. And then, you know, they make up and they get engaged at the end. And that was the whole thing. Even, I, though, even though they've spent a grand total of screen time between the two films about ten minutes together, <laughs> they get engaged at the end of this movie. Well, you know, it's 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 the quality of the time, not the quantity, Ryan. Well, we don't know how off screen. <laughs> Trust me, the quality wasn't good either. They <laughs> <laughs> spent a lot of time off screen. There you go. All right, so let's rate this. Oh man, puppy from oh, one to five. Oh man, three. Well, oh. Which one? One and two. Both. Okay, I have two different scores. Okay. Please. So the first one. I'm actually, I want to give, and don't hurt me guys, a three. Because I thought it was, 
it was really cute. I don't know. It just melted my heart. I don't know. I thought it was a good, a good, pretty good storyline. And I love the voices. I love the dogs. However, the second one was horrible in, in so many ways um, that I have to give it. I am going to give it probably a two because I want to give them two points for effort because... You're so nice. Well, no, we'll see. There's a lot of hard work that goes into making a film. And, like, they... Not they, these films. No, I'm saying, though, like, they must train those dogs, you know, to do that the dance moves and everything. And, the, you know, so I, I have to give that one two, two stars for the effort, so... All right. Todd, what did you think, sir? Well, I have two different ratings also. Mine, not quite so generous. <laughs> um, I, I, for, the, for the Beverly Hills Chihuahua one, I'm going to give it a star and a half. Because I did, I did, despite all the junk, I did kind of enjoy it a little bit just because it's a dog movie and I'm a dog person. And I think that's really why it ranks that high. Um, for me, the second movie, I'm, I'm almost tempted to say nothing, but I'm going wow. to give it a half a star. Interesting. All right. And uh, you, you mentioned you're a dog person. I'm, I'm not a pet person, uh, but I'm, I'm going to rate this, the, these films a, as a one, and that's combined. Because <laughs> these movies are bad. Just bad. So does that mean we have to divide by two to get the actual rating? Is that what you're saying, or are you just giving them each a one? No. No, Combined. <laughs> Combined. Yeah, if you add the scores together, they would get a one because I would give a ha- a, 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 a point two five to the first one and a point seven five to the second one, maybe. But uh, there, for me, there was just not a redeeming moment in either. There wasn't a moment in either film where I went, "Oh, okay, they know what they're doing," or "Oh, all right, there's some there's something to this." There just wasn't. It just I couldn't find anything to latch on to. The post-traumatic stress syndrome dog I I can't I have no words these are bad movies alright so there's nothing I can say about these films that make them that redeem them but but we need to get the dog's point of view so so Jasper the the Perlmutter household dog uh, are you around can you can you give a rating on this film hey Ryan how's it going man it's going good, Jasper. How are you? I'm totally awesome. Of course you are. How did you? You saw both films. What What did you think? I really liked first one. First one was fun. I dance. I go boom, 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 boom. Chibishan. Boom, boom. Oh, we did this already. I'll give it three paws up. Can you do three paws up without falling over? I'm multi talented. Interesting. Way to go, Jasper. All right, for the second film. I find this one weird. I don't know what goes on. I don't understand. I think you're not alone in that, Jasper. But the little puppies, there's the cutes. I'm a little puppy. I want to play with them. So I give one star for playing. One star to play with. I like it. I like it. Thank you, Jasper. Thank you for the dog's perspective. On a dog of a film. Thank you, Jasper. And I have results of our our first tweet 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 question. Get an answer. And that is the the most of our results were for Andy Garcia. Woohoo! 
not surprising. Yeah, I'm not surprised that uh, the <laughs> we women had three vote votes. For... We had three to four votes, I think, total. We had some people vote for George, for um, Edward James Almos, and we also had some people vote for Sean Connery. So I don't understand how they got in this poll, but <laughs> and, and and we had JL vote for Antonio Banderas. Yes. So. <laughs> Apparently, people don't know the choices. One it's or two. It actually mentioned Antonio Banderas movie in the podcast, so perhaps it was like a psychic thing. There you go. It could have been. You guys, you guys are just you're in the same area as JL, so it could have been you know psychic waves, you know, covering that space. All right, that's our look at the Beverly Hills Chihuahua movies. Um, don't go watch these unless you just want to have fun mocking them mercilessly. Uh, that is it for our show this week. We hope you enjoyed our, our look at Beverly Hills Chihuahua. It was much more fun to talk about than it was to watch. I will say that. So thank you to, to the three of you. Uh, stay in touch with us until next week. Uh, we are on Twitter. Uh, you can visit us at DisneyFilmProject.com. Find out about upcoming tweet watches. Um, you can listen to the show. You can read blogs when I have the time to write them. Uh, you can read my blogs on DisneyDrivenLife.com. You can see Todd and his technical expertise there. You can read Todd's blogs at TouringPlans.com. Every once in a while, I'll have one there as well. You'll have Bree at AdventuresOfBree.blogspot.com. And if you see us on the street, you can come up and shake our hands. So you can be in touch with us in all sorts of ways. Uh, if you like the show, tell your friends, tell everyone, tell dog lovers not to watch these films based on what we have told you. Uh, leave us a review in iTunes. Spread the word, folks. We want everybody to uh, listen and enjoy the show. Hopefully you are enjoying it and you can share that with everyone else. And we will see you next week. Hasta la vista. Bye. Vaya con Dios. Bye. Bye. bye.